Today's episode is brought to you by the Bible, the opium of the masses. Now, if you're like me, you probably always thought of this term as a slight against religion, but maybe it wasn't meant to be negative necessarily when Karl Marx first said it. Let's read it in context. What Karl Marx said was, religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world, and the soul of soulless conditions. It is the opium of the people. Marx argued that religion was constructed by people to calm uncertainty over their role in the universe and society. I imagine he took pity and empathized with the pious working class people. He was a champion for the working class, and he saw capitalism as a system that would further enlarge the gulf between the ruling and working class. I could point to the current new billionaire class and go off on that tangent for a long time, but we have to get back to the Bible and get to today's guest, a guy I've known since high school, a guy who was one of Gastonia's craziest drug dealing maniacs, a guy I always got along with and I liked. He is now a preacher and using his extreme passion for good. Now, you know, if you listen to my podcast that I'm not into religion and the Bible and I've said negative things about it, but after sitting and listening to Jason's story, I began to see the good side that the Bible and religion had to offer. There are positives and negatives in all things. I thought about it in terms of psychedelics. You see, I remember reading about the Catholic conquistadors offering their Eucharist, which was their sacrament, wine and crackers, meant to represent the blood and flesh of Christ to the natives in Mexico and trying to convert them to Christianity. But it wasn't working because the native sacrament was much stronger. They had peyote and psilocybin mushrooms. So the conquistadors outlawed the naturally growing psychedelics. These stories always infuriated me, but I need to stay on track. So I thought about the ineffectiveness of the Christian sacrament and then the ineffectiveness of reading scripture. When the Catholic scandal broke, I thought you know, to myself, if that book was truly a divine writing and led its reader right to the mouth of God, then how come so many of these priests who read from it daily were molesting children? How were so many church-going Bible thumpers in the South able to lynch black men and march in white hoods? And I always have attributed my spiritual growth to psychedelics, not the years of my youth I spent in church. I remember thinking, if we could spike the punch bowl with LSD at the church gathering, then those people could have a true awakening. But after sitting and talking with Jason, I realized that the Bible can lead people to a true spiritual awakening. I've also met people who took psychedelics and it didn't make them a changed or better person. Jason talks about eating 30 hits of acid and he carried on his life of violence and selling Roxy Cotton. So because psychedelics worked for me, I became biased and self-righteous in my own beliefs. And don't get me wrong, organized religion isn't for me. I like meditation and psychedelics and hiking in the woods. That's the way I connect with the universe or my purpose or God or whatever words you want to symbolize the spiritual path. But I love when people find their spiritual path. And for a long time, I didn't include people finding Jesus or Muhammad or L. Ron Hubbard. But if someone uses the tools of a religious book, be it the Bible or the Book of Mormon, and they find happiness and are able to use this newfound happiness to be a force of good, then that is amazing. Jason's church has helped raise money and has been sending food to my people down in Fort Myers. And he has become a positive force in the world and he found his path in the Bible. And my point of comparing the Bible to psychedelics is that whatever, whatever path you take towards spirituality or spiritual enlightenment, you have to do the work. You have to want the change. You have to be humble and show yourself mercy when you mess up and keep trying to move towards the light. 
I am in such a better place spiritually and emotionally than I was 20 years ago, but I still have a long way to go. 20 years from now, I hope to be twice as close to the light or God as I am now. So as most of you know, Hurricane Ian has my wife and I displaced. We are back where I grew up, staying with family. My clo uh, close friend, Brandon, he flew in from Phoenix to visit his family and to see us. He and I hiked Crowder's Mountain, and then we went back to his hotel room and Jason Robbins. We knew him growing up as J-Rob. He came over and the three of us sat and recorded a podcast. Brandon read Jason's book on the flight and said he couldn't put it down. Jason's story was so incredible, and so Brandon had a lot of questions. It was so great to get to, to do this podcast. We all grew up in Gastonia. It was the wild west on those streets. Drugs, guns, violence, we've seen it all. And like every small mill town in the 80s and 90s, as the jobs moved overseas, there was a lot of violence, and most of it started at home and bled into the streets. And every town had its badasses, what we'd call the dudes you didn't want to mess with. The guys of legend. You know, you hear these stories. Yo, dude hit Paul so hard with the weed eater that it broke off on Paul's head. Paul didn't even fall down. Yo, this guy pulled a gun on him and he took it from him and beat him with it. Stuff like that. Well, J-Rob was one of those names of legend in Gastonia. And like most of those guys, the path wasn't leading to riches or a life of happiness. But he found God and he has found a happy life now. He's like Dante. He had to go through hell to get to heaven. You can find his book on Amazon. From Prison to the Pulpit, From Dope to Hope by Jason Robbins. So let's cruise down Franklin Boulevard on the streets of Gastonia and smoke this blunt. Atmo out this car for old time's sake with Brandon and Jason Robbins. America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug Drugs are menacing our society. Any thoughts on the drug problem? I had a great time doing drugs. So tonight, from our family to yours, from our home to yours. Thank you for joining us. This is the piece on drugs. On drugs. Yeah, so Jason Robbins here. It's been what, about almost 20 years probably since I've seen you. It's been a hot minute, ain't it? Yeah, it's been a minute, yeah, definitely. it is. But uh, we were just talking about fentanyl, uh, the drug war. So yeah, fentanyl is what's killing most, I mean, most people are dying from overdose is fentanyl, yeah, but my opinion about the whole thing is is that it's the black market that is causing this. If we had if people, if addicts had legal access to the drugs they wanted to do, yeah. it'd be heroin, whatever it is, like they're doing in Switzerland, we can get people off these drugs if they can get the right therapy and get, get them the drugs they want safely while they're getting their therapy versus what they're doing now is just go to the streets and good luck. <laughs> yes. Are you guys already starting? Yeah, we started talking about fentanyl. Good to see you, man. Good to see you too, brother. You always talking about the war on uh, drugs as far as uh, fentanyl. You know, fentanyl, yeah. how it's killing everything. We're just doing that. Yeah, man. I mean, I remember back in the day we used to better smoke weed and, and pop pills and do whatever. I mean, you could take them without the risk of being killed. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. You know, you knew you was taking a Xanax, you are taking a Xanax. You were taking a Roxy, you were taking a Roxy. Now... You know, now it's just straight fentanyl. You know, everything's just straight peel pressed. Yeah. yeah, if you're buying drugs in the street, you need yeah. to have naloxone on hand. Cause... Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, we've been doing events as, uh, with, with the church down there, you know, with King Church. We, we do the, uh, and people, we, we get a lot of criticism from it, but I give them test, we give them test strips yeah. um, to test the drug. Yeah. They're going to do the drug regardless, you know what I'm saying? I can't make you not do a drug, but at yeah. least I can give you something to test it 
and see if it's fitting all in it before you do it. Uh, yeah, the fact people try to outlaw test strips or naloxone or don't want to have access to these things, you can't get high on a test strip. You can't get high on naloxone. These are something that will save your life if you're out there buying drugs on the streets. Amen. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. 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 And people, most people with drug problems, if they don't die, they'll eventually stop using and get better if they don't, if they don't kill them. But right now, it's so dangerous yeah. that you keep them alive. That's the first step to getting them help. Is you can't help someone. Can't help somebody dead. That's right. That's yep. exactly right. Yep. And, and now it's like you said. It's the the fentanyl. It's just that's what's took over now. It ain't like when we was kids. You know. No. Nah. It ain't like when we was kids. I mean, we was still in some stuff. Now, I mean, I remember with you here, and I mean, I remember doing the uh, the whipping things. <laughs> it was like hush, man. Hush. I still do whippings. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember being in the house with you. And I remember that. You remember that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, me. I, I had an addictive personality. I couldn't. I just couldn't. I mean, like I'm, I'm balls to the wall. You know what I mean? I can't. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. You yeah, know how? Man, you know how I was. Man. You know yeah. what I mean? When I rolled with me and Paul, we would do acid, and then we like our competition was how many can we do in our, our mouth and you no know, doing our eyes. You know what oh, I mean? Shit. Like do ten in our eyes, ten in this eye, ten in my mouth, and and I'm like, dude, that's thirty hits of acid. And then Paul be like, I'll do forty. You know, and then I'm the next thing I know, we done done all of it, and we out there, and that's the way we were. You know, it just didn't have no limits to it, and uh, and that's what took me so far with drugs. It's like the Roxy's. It changed my life now because when I was taking Florida, it was a pandemic of uh, yeah. pills. You know, everybody down here was wanting Roxy's and all the things, but you know, I was going up there getting them from these doctors' offices and. Or two or three dollars and selling them for twenty-five, thirty dollars a pop, and that was good money. And I was spending most of my own um, strip clubs and everything yeah. else, and and more drugs that come with it. Everything comes with it. Not yeah. glorified, but that's what I was doing. Um, but I couldn't stop it, you know. And then it, eventually, where I didn't care about the money no more. I didn't care about the strippers no more. I didn't care about girls no more. Yeah. All I cared about was Roxanne. She yeah. became my girlfriend, yeah. and uh, and she took over me. You know what I mean? And that's what. That's what flatlined me. That's what I thank God for it because it, it you know, it, I had uh, I got a brother of mine named Nick Greathouse. He does uh, Christian music, he's a Christian rap artist, and he's got this song and said I ha he had to kill me so I could live, and uh, and that's what God had to do to me. He had to flatline me so then I could realize what I. But I, I spent I spent nine months, you know, being paralyzed. And uh, yeah, I read that in your book, man. Was, uh, yeah, that was uh, and you know how I used to be, you know what I mean? That man didn't go on like talking about him much, uh, but. My whole life, it was about my name. My whole life, it was about my name. Yeah. For what y'all didn't know is I didn't write in books, uh, and I and I just now came to terms to to talk about it. Is uh, when I was a kid, I was uh, I couldn't read, couldn't read at all, couldn't read. Nothing. You never knew that. Nobody uh, did. Yeah. Couldn't read or write uh, at all. And anybody tried to teach me to read, I'd be like, nerds read. You know, <laughs> you know how we do, bash them real quick or yeah. something. You know, to, to demonize anything that I didn't understand. And as a kid, I remember um, kid, the teacher would call me up front and she would tell me to read. And uh, and I would, this is where fighting came in. And they, when it would come in, they'd be like, remember the book, they'd be like, Jane ran to the store or whatever. I'd get up there and I remember going, J -j 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 and the little kids would be like, he don't know how to spell Jane. And I'm like, okay, I see you. <laughs> and then as soon as we went outside, I beat him up, you know what I mean? And that's when my mama was coming to get me from school all the time. And she's like, you always fighting. Yeah. And I didn't, and I was like, I don't know why I never told her, you know what I mean? I, I was like, so ashamed that I couldn't read, yeah. that I couldn't do it. And it just made me feel less than, made me feel stupid. And the devil just began to whisper and whisper and whisper. And it made me feel like this big. And so, and people, when we are, when we are hurt, 
hurt people hurt people. You ever heard that? Yeah. And I, this little boy locked himself behind walls. That's what he did. He locked himself behind walls and, and made walls around him. And all he knew was to fight anything that come near him to be defense mechanism because on side there was a hurt little boy on the inside that needed to be healed. You know what I mean? That needed to say... But people, man, we, the way we live is we don't want to shit. We don't want to be vulnerable with anybody yeah. and be like, man, you know, that hurt me. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Man, I can't read. I can't do that. I can't. I can't. And because the world now, they're gonna make fun of you, or they'll, they'll, or you can say, hey, man, I'm struggling with drugs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I, I take these drugs, man. I know I'm supposed to take them, but man, I can't take them like y'all. I snort every one of them. You know, that's what I was doing. You know what I mean? I couldn't tell nobody unless you was a part of me. If you knew Jason, then it didn't matter. I didn't care if you seen the destruction side. But I never wanted you to see a soft hurt side. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I always put the defense up. And I see a lot of addicts, like my friend Matt, that went through an addiction to fentanyl. He, he wouldn't want anybody to know, and he constantly lied about it. But it wasn't because he, it was because he was ashamed. Yeah, that's right. Shame. That's right. Yeah, that's right. This means I'm weak and pitiful, and I don't want you to know. Yeah. It's hard to get help if you're not willing to put yourself, mm-hmm. make yourself vulnerable, and put yourself out there and explain, hey, I got an addiction. That doesn't mean you're weak. That's we, right. We that's don't good. go through shit like that. That's right. That's good. And that's the truth. You know, that's the truth of it. Because when we we don't want to make nobody, because especially as a man, especially yeah. as a man, we talk, we don't cry. Yeah. Only punks cry. You know what I mean? We've talked that from, y'all know that. Y'all know yeah. since we, yeah. I mean, especially if you got y'all gas on your fellas, y'all know this. That's where we were. <laughs> we don't cry. cry. Wait, I mean, suck it up, buttercup. Let's get it done. You know what I mean? And somebody walking in and be like, man, I'm struggling, man. I can't read, man. I feel bad. We're like, well, suck it up. We all got problems. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the way street mentality is. Yeah. And all I had was street mentality my whole life. Instead of, and I let that, and I really truly pushed everything away from me, and the streets are what accepted me. It was the only thing that accepted me. Everything else, it felt like it rejected me. So, uh, so I had this name, you know, J Ross. And it, what the crap, you yeah. know? What Rob was that? Wild yeah. as the Rob Taliban. Is. Yeah, <laughs> wild as the Taliban. Just retarded J Ross. I mean, Lord, this dude, what is it? And it was just, and he was brain dead in his mind, really, because it was, I don't know what it was, trying to keep up this facade of, of something that I was chasing something that wasn't chasing me. You know what I mean? And everything that I thought, and it took prison. I mean, it did, it took prison. It took a lot of things in my life. I was hard head, you know what I mean? Hard head, make a soft butt, what they say. And uh, it took being in prison and sitting in there, and I was like, where everybody at? And I, you know, I, I, I sold dope from the time I can remember. I remember selling pencils and stealing stuff at the store at the age of seven, eight, nine years old in elementary school, selling stuff, you know what I mean? I go buy, uh, pack of annihilators and break them down and it started there. I mean, yeah. it started there. And next thing you know, that's what it took off at. And man, I, I just couldn't get away from it. I couldn't get out of it and until God pulled the plug. He pulled the plug. I mean, he literally pulled the plug and then I lost everything. Uh, feds took everything that I had. Um, I went to prison, took my freedom. And then when I took my freedom, I got into a prison cell and that's when this book was written because I ran into a book and that was the good book. I ran into the Lord's Word. When I ran into that in prison, every time, I've been to jail in and out my whole life. And they would give me the Bible. And I had this saying, which I, y'all probably heard me say it growing up. Man, are you scared? Go to church or buy a dog, dog. You know what I mean? You know, you, know, you know how we do it. It's what we used to say. I used to live by that. You know what I mean? And here I was in and out of jail. And they tried to give me this Bible. And I'd get it. And I'd be like, man, I see you read that, bro. I said, I guess you're scared. You need to go on church service over there. Buy your dog. Can't get them in here. Go to church service. I tell them that in jail. And then when I caught that bid of 25 years down the road, then I had another 60-year charge on me in South Carolina. I don't care who you are. Even if you don't believe in God, you let bombs go off. You'll say, God, if you're there. <laughs> My name is Jason Robbins. I live here. And if you're real, I need you to show up here. And uh, where I met him, Matt, was on the run. 
crazy as that sounds, I was running from uh, all them sinners. I was like, man, you're chasing them. I said, you're going to have to be good at your job, police, because I promise you, you got this one with running. And I ran for three years, you know what I mean, running from the law. And I met them over a drug overdose. That's what happened. I was got out. Uh, me and Brent was going somewhere. We dropped some stuff off. Uh, and I thought Brent told on me for years. <laughs> I wanted yeah. to kill him for years. Couldn't find out he didn't tell on me. He never lied to you, bro. He lied to you. Brent didn't never tell on me. It was the people that I was buying from uh, got caught, and they throwed it off on me. They made a deal with the state, long story short. Uh, you know, past is past. It is what it is. But it, it led me to where I needed to be. I got to a place where the, the drugs weren't enough, money wasn't enough, dope was never enough. God knew he like you gonna kill yourself, but you don't you don't understand. And then I was I got out. As soon as I got out on a, uh, I was in the county, mm-hmm. and I was facing all the time. I lied and schemed my way out of there. They don't let you out of uh, a state if you're not living in the state. They don't let you out because you're a flight risk. I lied and had it had it worked out. Well, I dipped and I went to go one more time. Yeah. You know how that goes? Yeah. One more time. One more. one more never enough. And uh, they followed me all the way down there. They followed me up. They knew everything that was going on. And, and I, you know, I don't know where you're at spiritually, but I tell you, there is two voices. It really is. And my whole life, I'd heard a voice that I called God, and it wasn't God. It was Satan. I mean, it, it was the devil himself. I know it was. I rolled shotgun with him, you know what I mean? And I heard him. And, you know, they like the devil. They paint the devil like this, this uh, monster, like he, he's red pitchfork and he's red suit and he's got the pointy yeah. head, you know what I mean? And he don't come across like that. He never with me. He come across to me as my homeboy, truly. Yeah. And when I was in the car, and, and I remember the police getting behind me, and I had all this dope on me. And I was like, damn, I ain't going back to jail. And I, and I was, I was with this girl, you know, you read the story, you know. Right, right. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I ain't going back to jail. And I'm telling this girl, I'll blow her brains out, you know what I mean, if you if you, you open these doors. You know? So I'm, I'm holding my hand on the thing, and I'm trying to get the pill bottles like this. I mean, I can, you know, I roll a blunt one hand. You know how I used to be. So I'm taking the thing, and I get it, and I take the pills, and I take the drink, and I squirt it, and I'm taking the, everything in the car, from the, all the pills to the go I swallowed everything, cop busting in the car, and he puts me in the back, and I heard the voice. I heard him. He told me, go pump your stomach. He said, just lie. He gave me the whole plan. Go tell him you was in a car with a girl. You need to go pump your stomach out. Sounded great. When I was in that car, so I swallowed everything. And then I remember sitting in that car, Red Burn, I looked over and I seen the, the police, you know, he's digging through and I'm like, ain't nothing in that car, it's all in my stomach, you ain't gonna get me. You know what I mean? That's what I'm thinking, you ain't gonna get me. And uh, the whole time, the devil done got me. He really did, he done got me. He, he came to take my life and he really did. Um, I thought that I was with the police, that I was safe. You know, I figured I was in a cop car. I mean, how much safer can you get, right? Might not want to be with them, but he, Heck, at least I know they'll get me help. That was my whole thinking. And I never woke up out of that police car. Uh, I, they found me later on after the police, and they can say what they want to say, and I know I pray for you. They beat the H-E-double-L out of me, bro. I mean, they beat me bad because I was in perfect shape when I woke up. I mean, before that happened, yeah. I was that monster J-Rops, and I thought I was unstoppable. Bullets couldn't kill, kill me in my mind. And when I woke up, Man, I was beat all to pieces. My face was beating in. I had busted shoulders where they drugged me or whatever they done to me, but they had ruptured the disc all in my back. And that's what had happened. They crushed the disc in my back and it uh, pinched the nerves. And that's what caused me to be paralyzed. And that's what it caused it. And when the first time I got out there, the first thing I wanted to do was do more drugs. And see, and that's why I, don't, I have a heart for people with drugs. That's why I want, I'm so animate about drugs because when we first start taking drugs, man, we don't take drugs to say, man, I want to be homeless. 
I'm going to take drugs. I have to wake up every day to take them, uh, to have peace, to have joy, to have sex. I mean, that's, all these things go into drugs, you know what I mean? Yes. And it just surrounds you. It, it, and man, it, it just, it, it encaped me, bro. It really did. And man, I didn't know how to get out. And so when I see people out there on these drugs, man, I have a heart for them. I know most people are like, man, it's just a dope head, bro. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I was too. Yeah. But God too. gives second chances, you know what I mean? And um, he does, you know what I mean? But just takes people... No matter where they stand, you gotta understand that we all fall short of something. Yeah. Ain't nobody perfect. And the only way you can help somebody is to be healed. I've learned this, you know what I mean? Because there was a time when I was trying to help people and I wouldn't heal. And help and hurt people only hurt people and, and people that ain't healed can only do so much. They can they can lead you to water but they ain't gonna make you drink it, right? And that's what I see now in the drugs. And now nowadays the people that turn their back to drug addicts alone and like they're just dope addicts drug addicts they're worthless you know they'd be in jail they'd be dead until it's their kid yeah. now mama's like oh hell how am I gonna get Tommy off his dope yeah. you know what I mean where did this come from well you abandoned him you never spent time with him you never talked to him you never really you, you just only thing you looked at what he did or what he didn't do that's what I see a lot of families do now they love to tell the kids what they did or what they didn't do yeah, or what like, they're not living up to right Aaron they practice tough love tough love is tough love, love. That's, that, that's an easy say it again out. Aaron tough love is what isn't love there's no love because if and I'm with you on that 100% because if you can't Man loves everything. The Bible even teaches you that. He said, "If you ain't," he said, "You can go to church, be Billy Graham. You can, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here. You can be whatever. You can do it all right. But if you didn't do it with love, he said, you should have stayed home. You done it for nothing. The whole everything is built on love, and that's why I try to show so much love in, in this dope game because, man, you know, right, my man, you was head in it with me too. So was you, Aaron. I mean, we lived yeah. this. It ain't like we talking to, we preaching to the choir. I mean, we 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 lived this. We we breathed this." Yeah. I mean, that's why your story is so powerful, man. Yeah, there's some in the book, I think it was early on, that really touched me. Is, uh, and I laugh, I got a dark sense of humor anyway, but it's, he said, I, I was in such a dark place, man, that I told God my name just in case he didn't know it. Yeah. And that hit me because, you yeah. know, we've all been in a yeah. dark spot. And yeah. the people you're trying to help, you know, they're yeah. in a dark spot. You know, yeah. Drug addicts, it doesn't get much darker than that. Nah. You know, so. Your book was great, man. I enjoyed it cover to cover on the flight. I didn't put it down once, man. I was like, and man. I always, you know, I always knew you were out there. I didn't know exactly yeah. how far you got out there, man. Yeah, bro. That's, man. I think that's why your story is so powerful, man. You came from the darkest, the darkest spots you can come from, and now you've turned it all around, and now you're in a position to help people. Man. And you walking with me on the streets and being with me, uh, I guess kind of seeing back as childhood, you see what kind of, yeah, you see what kind of spirals. And that's what I see with kids in general today, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, when you're living that, you know, it's as an adult, you know, as a man now, I can see that the way we grew up wasn't all right. There, no. It wasn't okay. There's was a lot of pain, a lot of trauma, mm -hmm. a lot of danger, you know. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't okay. And, but it's normal when you're living it every day, you know. Yeah. You just, you don't know any better. You're a kid. Yeah. Know? So my heart breaks for those kids out there today because they're facing challenges that, there's the same challenges that we face with the drugs, the alcohol, the women, or whatever. Now they got new stuff that we don't Well, I've said if fentanyl had been in the streets when I was growing up, I wouldn't be here. Come on, and I said the same thing. I said if there were fentanyl when we were kids, I'd have been dead. Or if meth would have been rapid. Yeah, I know meth wasn't a big thing, guys. No, there. they had, uh, they done the, what they call it, clear, but it was, I guess that was meth. But I remember the, uh, I remember a couple of dudes, you know, I sold coke to everybody, so I would take it to this dude, and he wanted 
dropped some off one time and I remember them having a light bulb and I never forget, you know what I mean? Ain't it something though I walked in the house and, and I'm the biggest dope addict there is. You know what I mean? Like I can't go to sleep and if I got ten Roxy beside my bed to snort before I wake up in the morning and this dude's like just a trash can for dope. That's what I was. And I walk in the house and these dudes are in there with a a, a light bulb. And I'm like, Man, what you got a light bulb for? You know and like I said, man, get your piece of tin for him, make you a pasty. <laughs> I thought that's what he was doing, you know yeah. what I mean? He was like, no, nah, man, he said, we're doing the clear. And I said, clear? And he showed it to me, it was like this glass. And that's what it was, I guess. I'm guessing it was meth. Uh, and I remember them smoking it, like, you know, chasing a dragon the way we did with, with Yak. Yeah. But, um, and I'd never seen that, but not I told him. once in Gas 22 in the light bulb. That's the only time I saw it. And that's why I probably never did it. And then later, I was like, I, I like sleeping too much. They'd be like, oh, I did me that too. I was up for a week. I'm like, that don't sound fun to me. You was with me. That's what I told the dude. He was like, uh, he was like, man, this right here, bro, that cocaine got nothing on it. And I'm like, well, why are you buying it? You know what I mean? He was like, I need to come down a little bit. And I was like, dang, what? You know what I mean? I'm like, you bought my coke to come down? You know what I mean? I was like, what? I thought he was crazy. And he was like, man, you take one hit of that, bro, you'll be up three days. I said, bro, I don't, you know me, I like downers. I didn't like the uppers like that. Yeah. And Coke, I was so, uh, I don't know what ADHD they would call it. Uh, I take Coke, it make me sleepy. It make me yawn, you know what I mean? It had done me the opposite. I truly only like cocaine because the girls liked it. Yeah. I just wanted to have it. That was all it was about. That was yeah. the truth of it. Did you know that? Yeah, that was uh, crack the same way. I don't know. I spoke, the first time I spoke crack was, I think it was with, uh, I don't want to name names, at the house uh, <laughs> near Boykins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, that, that was a fun uh, fun rush. I actually enjoyed that. I enjoyed crack. Yeah, I did it too. It got me like, I, I smoked crack, I did it too. I, I did it because it was shorter lived too. It was like fun, but then you don't have to constantly, like, cocaine I'd chase all night and then be up, and the sun's coming up, and I hated it. See, the crack done me the wrong way, then, because they, they were hit it one time, and I was like, man, I'll rob that dope, man, take him to it. You know what I mean? They were like, I mean, oh, they, were, they, they was like, bro, you ain't going to go rob my dope, man. <laughs> I like, I get all of it, dog. He was like, nah. So I, I figured out real quick to never touch that stuff again because I liked it way too much. And yeah. I could see how it takes people's money. I mean, I got, I still got like a storage of uh, Nintendos and all kinds oh, of stuff man. people stole from people, yeah. bring it to me to trade in. I gave it all to my little boy and he was like, we don't play that stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what is Atari. that? You know, that's what it is. Atari to him. He's like, hey, what is that? I just laugh. I'm like, I don't know. Give it to somebody. I don't know. What do you do with it, you know? There's something else in the book I want to ask you because I read it and I was like, I got chills. Right? That's what I was telling you on a little Facebook post. Uh, you got to explain to me and uh, anybody listening about the guy that there was a dude in jail with you mm -hmm. um, who said God talked to him to come find you in jail. And he took yeah. his license plate off his car. Yeah. Got arrested. Yeah, just to deliver a message to you. Yeah, that was the craziest thing ever, man. Yeah, I read that and I was like, man, only you could deliver that to me, and I believe it. I was like, man, I tell you, it's seeing cold chills to this day. Uh, I remember him. Even, I'm, you know how I've always been like, uh, I've, even my whole life, I would always, if you mess with a, I was, I hated bullies. I hated a bully, and I would always beat up a bully. I would look for a bully to fight, <laughs> or somebody thought they was a real tough guy. Yeah, I wanted to fight him for one reason. Not to show that I was better than them, because I hated bullies, because I was watching my mom and me be beat my whole life, and that's what I seen in them. And I'm like, oh, you one of them, I'm going to get you. And that's what was in my mind. Well, this guy was like, you could tell he'd never been to jail before. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he was a uh, sweet-looking uh, older black gentleman, really uh, like a pawpaw. 
I'm like, man, what you doing in here, you know? And I seen him when we come in, uh, like at the line or whatever. We was getting some mail or whatever it was. I don't remember what we was doing down there, but I remember seeing him. And uh, we called our tech. And he, was, he was looking for me. He was like he was looking for me. kept looking at me. I'm like, dude, what you keep looking at me for? In my mind, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. We end up when I, they signed me in this bunk. They put me on this top bunk, and he's on this bottom bunk on the other side. I'm like, I'm over here. He's over here. And I'm, now I'm up here reading the Word reading the word and uh, cause I done found the Lord in this I already been crippled Lord done healed me from I mean I went never supposed to walk I heard the voice of God say get up and uh, you know the story I got up yeah. and God started letting me walk end up going down the road and everything because you the Bible teaches says you reap what you sow I sowed a lot of bad ground y'all know that and I had to reap what I did you know what I mean I wasn't no you know because oh I found Jesus you ain't got to pay for none of it now yeah. nah you broke the law nigga you gonna go to jail you know you, you going to face this and that's where I was at with it um, anyway, I'm sitting up on this bunk, and this guy's down there, and he's watching me read, and this is what he was doing right here. He done this. Just straight up looking at me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, and I'm laid up on the bunk like this, and I'm like. <laughs> you know? He's like. What are you looking at? Yeah. We're going to fight? But he had like the peaceful look. He wasn't like a, uh, like, you got a problem look. Oh, you know what I mean? It was yeah. a peaceful look. Like your papa looking at you. Yeah. And I was like. You know, that's what I did, put my hands up, like, what's up? You know, what's going on? Not like in an ugly way, you know, like, what's up? You know, I was like, what's going on with you? Why do you keep looking at me? Yeah. And he was like, how long are you going to keep reading? How long you keep reading that word? And I said, I said, this, I got to keep reading. I forgot all what I told him. And he told me, telling me, he said, he said, can you talk to me? Come talk to me. And the whole conversation, I don't know if I recorded all of it in there, but I'll tell you. Um, he sits me down and he starts telling me, he says, he said, you're in a dangerous place. And I said, I said, I said, we all right. I said, I'm used to this. I thought he was talking about jail. Yeah. He said, no, your, uh, your light that's in you is flickering. Your light's about out. And I said, uh, what you mean my light's about out? He said, you, you ain't even got a pilot light left. He said, you, your light is flickering. Your light's about to go out. He said, God wants you to shine, boy. God wants to use you. I was like, and, and when he started talking to me about the Lord, he got my attention. You know what I mean? I was like, I said, yeah, I, I don't know how he's going to use me here. You know, I'm like, I'm in jail. How he going to use me here? And he was like, he see me. I go back up there and start reading. Long story short, he started telling me things like it was crazy. He started telling me like, people might think I'm out there. He can say whatever they'll say. He started telling me about movies. He said, like, he said, you watch these movies. And he said, you see the movies. Everything in the movies is really real. He said, they just, they, they throw it off so it's, they, it was not real. So they make it not real. He said, like Transformers. He said, aliens are real. He said, they demonize them, act like they're not real. He said, but they out there. He said, they know that. And uh, which now they say that they are. Yeah. Before they, you know, anybody said they were from, uh, knew about, um, then they put this thing, like, that little trailer park boy, they run into the demon, I mean, run into the aliens. Remember remember how they used to do? That's what yeah. the world does this. And he started telling me, I was like, yeah. And, um, and he really got my attention with that. Then he started going on, he like, like these uh, phones. He started telling me about these phones. And I didn't know about no iPhones or none of that then. They wasn't, I didn't see those then, you know what I mean? And he was like, like the phones, the iPhones, and these phones are going to be whatever. He said, they already got the iPhone 30. They already got it out. They just feed it to you Christmas. He said, like the new games. They got a PlayStation 30. He said, but they give you the PlayStation 3, the 4, the 5, and they'll give it to you every year because they do it right near when? Right near Christmas, right? Yeah. He said, they got this figured out, so they take all the people's money. He started telling me, I said, yeah, trust me, you ain't talking to the right one because I know the government's crooked. That's what I told him. And I still believe they are. I'll leave it there. Uh, 
So we'll leave it there. Uh, but anyway, uh, he starts telling me uh, that I needed to go preach the gospel and uh, telling me this. And, and this goes on for like a day or two. And I just read. I wouldn't do anything. I just read my word. And he was like, one day, last day, he was like, come here, my time's short. I got, I got to go. He starts telling me he's got to go. He's getting ready to leave. And I'm like, where you going? <laughs> where you going? You know, we in here. He was like, I'm in here because I want to be in here. He said, he said, the Lord told me to come here, and it's you that I was looking for. And I was like, this dude's tripping. Yeah, what else are you going to say? Man? Yeah, you know what I mean? That's what I'm thinking, dude, you retarded in my mind. You know what I mean? Like, dude, you, you, we was cool till now you started lying to me. Yeah. And he was like, he said, no, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm in here. He said, the Lord spoke to him and told him to take the tag off his car. And then there was a man in there, his light was about that, that he was showing him to him that God was going to use him in a major way if he would let God light the light. I'm listening to him. And the last day, he walks up to me, and they, he tells me, he says, you need to quit reading that word so much. You need to get down there and speak the word. The men need light in here. Go down there and be the light to them. And um, he said, tomorrow I'm going home. I'm going to go and call my wife, and I'm going to tell her, I'm going, it's time for me to go. You're either going to receive it or you're not. Long, in a nutshell. And I'm like, I said, what you want me to do? Walk down there and say, hey, I'm preaching a sermon. You know, I was being a little smart but then. He was like, nah. He said, you know, just put the Bible down. Go down there and sit down. And, and the Lord's going to bring them to you. And I'm like, and I, and I was doing it truly Ray Byrne to be a smart butt. Yeah. I grabbed my Bible and I said, let's go see how this works. You yeah. know, just to go show you to shut up and leave me alone. So I went down there and I sit down on the table and I opened up my Bible. That's all I did. And one inmate, two inmates, three inmates. And they're like, and I can look, and I can still see him standing there. On the, he was on the top pier. And he was looking, and he went, just nodding his head. And he walked on back to his seat. And I started teaching right there the Word of God. And a uh, man gave his life to Jesus. And I'm like, man, that man, I'm boosted. You know, I come back up and I said, man, that boy gave his life to the Lord. He said, a lot more are going to give that life to the Lord if you let him use you. Your light has got to grow. And the only way it's going to grow is you let it shine. He starts telling me these things. And he said, and I'm like, I appreciate the pep talk and get me going, you know what I mean? But I'm still at the same time, Aaron, I ain't going to lie to you. I'm thinking you're full of crap. Um, you didn't take your tag off the car. Nobody goes to jail on purpose. I mean, yeah. where are you from? Only got to catch me from where I'm from. And you, and you, you, you know what I mean? What? And so... Next day, he goes up, and they get up, we get up, and he tells me, he said, come on. I get up with him, I said, what's going on? He said, come on, I'm going to call my wife. He made sure that, man, you in jail, you got to call, you got to get genetics, you know how that works. So he calls her, and he was like, and he, this is his conversation, he said, hey, hon. He said, yeah, I found him. Now, I'm listening now, you know what I mean? He said, I found him. I gave him, I told him what God told me. He said, go ahead and bring my ID up here and tell him who I am. He said, it's time for me to go. Still people put his cold chill over. Yeah, me too, man. Put his cold chill all over my body. And uh, his wife got on the phone with me. She said, I hope you receive what my husband has done for you because God has a plan for you. Wow. And that's all she says. Put my husband back on the phone. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> I was speechless. I walked yeah. back up to my thing and I'm like, well, we're going to see how this pans out. Because, you know, in jail, we're going to see right there on the spot. Man, it wasn't like an hour, less than an hour later, they tell him, 
roll it up, roll your bed up, come on, pack it up, time to leave. And he walks by me and said, let your light shine. He said, let your light shine. And I was like, man, and, and that was, it, it encouraged me so much. And I was like, because I was locked in, but I realized they locked me in, but they couldn't lock Jesus out. God, God would use people. And I was like, man, you ain't forgot me. You know what I mean? I yeah. said, what? Because I, I was facing a lot of time. I was facing 60 years down there. Yeah, 60 in South Carolina, right? Mm. And then another 25 in Florida or something like and, that. And in the state of South Carolina, I was not guilty, truthfully. Yeah. I'll tell you. Florida, I was guilty as charged. South Carolina, I didn't do any of those things. And I walked into it and I had a, God brought a, my, I mean, you ever heard of this? The church raised money to get me a lawyer. Really? The church pastor named Pastor Kerry Caldwell come in. I met, gave my life to the Lord, and, and uh, he showed up. And uh, I remember being, they called my name, and I went into the uh, room, and he knocked on the glass, and I had my head down, man. I, was, I didn't found out how much time I got. And all I kept thinking about my, my daughter. Damn, you suck, boy, you just threw it away. You'll never, ever see Peyton again. You know, my mind, I was like, 60 years, I'll die here before they even transfer me to Florida. You know, I'm thinking crazy. I'm thinking I'm going to kill myself. I ain't doing no 75 years in prison. Y'all lost your mind. I'll kill myself first. That's where I was at. Yeah. I was the way the pastor come in. He tapped on the window, and, and, uh, and I, looked, I looked up, and he, he put his hands in the glass. But he had his hand like this. He put his hand to the glass, and I put my hand down. He said, God ain't forgot you. He said, we raised the money. He said, uh, we're going we're gonna to help you fight this case. And uh, we went into it, and uh, he told me, he asked me, he said, did you do this? Tell me the truth, son. I said, I've done a lot of things, Pastor, but I didn't do this. I never sold to a minor in my life. Ever have I done nothing like it. Never would I. They charged me with 20, 27 accounts to begin with. They dropped it down to 21 accounts, uh, trying to get me to swallow it. 21 counts facing three years on each one of them um, for yeah. distributing the minors. They wanted you to sign it. Yeah, they yeah, wanted me to sign it. And I was like, you got, I already knew the system, so I didn't sign it. Uh, I knew I didn't do it. And the lawyer, long story short, walked in the courtroom. I didn't ever even walk in the courtroom, bro. Bro, that, that don't happen. I didn't even walk in the courtroom. I was sitting in the holding cell on the outside of a courtroom. My lawyer went in there and told him, can you point Jason Robbins out in this courtroom? I wasn't even in the courtroom. The kids, all the kids, all 21 of these kids, they were, one of their buddies had the dope and they didn't want to tell on their buddy. So they wanted to point at me because they already found out that I was a fugitive on the run. So he's like, he's already charged with dope charges. He's a trafficker. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one. Of course, it got to be, right? But it really wasn't. I was there to pick up my cousin. That's all I was doing. I, I literally walked into a party, picked my cousin up, wasn't doing nothing wrong. Police busted in. Wrong place, wrong time. Real, real truth. Long story short, they say uh, kids start confessing. Yeah. We don't know what he looked like. He said, "How you gonna tell me you, you bought man gave you dope? You don't know what he looked like." Twenty one times, right? He's like, you know what I mean? You this, this is you get ready to get this man sixty years in prison. I need you to point him out. And they said. Uh, well, we don't know where it came from, and we really don't even know Jason Robbins. Then the truth came out that it was one of the other homeboys or whatever it was, and they didn't want to tell on him. And uh, so my lawyer walks in the back room, and he said, you're getting out of here. He said, they dropped all charges on you. And I'm like, my God, Lord, done showed up. Now I'm going to Florida. So my mind's really shot out. And that's why, you know, I, and when I was going to write the book, I wasn't even going to write it. I was like, man, who in the world wants to hear my story? You know what I mean? That's what the devil tells all of us. Who wants to hear your story? And that's what happens to these guys on the street that are on these drugs. That you can't be enough. That you're a dope addict. You'll never be enough. This is where you'll die at. You know what I mean? And that's the mentality they carry. And I had it until uh, 
I started doing the thing with God. Even when I was preaching and, and, and doing things with God, and I was like, man, my whole thing was I wanted to see everybody get hope where they at least went on dope. You know what I mean? They, was, they found Jesus and found something. You know what I mean? Something better than what they was in. And that's where it came from. And I run into a young man named Brian Trejo, um, which is number one Christian artist in the whole United States of America right now. Um, he wasn't at the time. He came to the church and uh, he starts talking to me. I just loved him because the what he spoke, it was me. You know how like Tupac yeah. used to talk to us? Yeah. This is the Christian Tupac. Right. I mean, really is. I mean, this man with the trigger man, that's what he used to call him. He, that's what he went to prison for was they killed his brother. They shot him all up, got out, starts preaching the gospel and reading. And, and I mean, he's got beautiful music, awesome music, awesome awesome artist, awesome artist. Um, number one says enough, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, but he comes in and he tells me, like, me and my wife, Brittany, was sitting with him. And uh, and I'm excited to see him, you know what I mean? I'm like, this this is the dude I love to hear him preach and da-da-da-da-da. And, uh, and I want to hear about him, Aaron. I don't want to talk about me. I want to hear about him. Yeah. And my wife, you know how Brittany is, you know, Brittany starts telling her him about her husband. Like, you don't know half the my husband's been through. He's been, did it and I'm like, shut up. I'm trying to listen to what this man talking about. Be quiet right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're with Brian. Hush. I want to hear what this man got to say. And Brian's like, no, 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 no. I want to hear her. So he listens. And then when she gets done, he looks at me and said, write the book. I need you to write the book. And she said, tell him, tell him. You know, your wife thought you out there too, you know. She's like, tell him. And I was like, I didn't try to write that book two or three times. And I said, man, ain't nobody want to hear that. He said, why are you going to keep listening to the devil? He said, write it. He said, write it. So I wrote it. And, uh, man, since then I wrote it and I put it in the prison. So every time I sell a book, it goes into a prisoner's hand. And, man, like I go to the prison every Thursday to preach. And, man, it's crazy, man, when you walk into a prison cell and, and you see inmates walk up to you, you know, I ain't going to say inmates, brothers in Christ that just done some poor decisions. I don't like calling them inmates. They, they're holding my book up on the glass, slamming it to the glass. Bam, bam, slamming it out. Let us out. Let us out. They get down there and they're like, man, you gave us hope, brother. I ain't, I ain't signing none of these papers, man. I ain't. <laughs> they get there like, you know, we fight the good war. You know, they with it. And uh, I'm just like, man, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. You know what I mean? Because then I'm thinking, Man, if you only knew that I couldn't even read or write, you know what I mean? That's why when I see something like this, it it, it makes me cry sometimes, to be real with you, you know what I mean? Because I look at them like, man, that was a time I couldn't even read or write. And, uh, and that's how I learned to read and write was YouTube. It sounds crazy, right? i take YouTube and get it out, and uh, and I would read the Bible while it read. And I would do it over and over and over and over until I remembered the Bible. And then the next thing you know, I could remember how to read. Yeah. I was asking God to help me to read, and that's how he used, used me to teach me. So uh, now, you know, I'm, I see uh, I see these kids. You got you got kids on the streets out there right now that don't. Like I, I ran into a guy two days ago, sleeping in the street, 22 years old, uh, living in a bandit house. He's on dope. He's out there, and you know, and, and me to jump out and be like, hey, uh, come on, man, Jesus is gonna help you save the way. That ain't the answer. That's, you know, all the churches hear me. That is not what you do. You don't jump out and beat them in the head with a Bible. You don't do that. You're not gonna win them. You win them by love. Say, man, you hungry? You hungry? I ain't telling you to give your wallet to him, but I'm telling you, you're hungry, feed him. Yeah, you're thirsty, him. give him something to yeah. drink. Meet him where he's at. Yeah, meet him right there where he's at and let him know where you used to be. Yeah. See, that's yeah. our problem as a man and we don't want to show our, our vulnerability. We don't want to show our scars. We don't want to show our shortcomings. We don't want to show this thing. When I've learned now, I don't care, I'll tell you, I'm the biggest head you ever seen in your life. I was trash, I this. I am from the trailer park. I put by my boy Eminem I am for all these things. I'll tell you everything about me, so you ain't got nothing to say about me. Yeah. And by me doing that, now they're like, 
You ain't like no preacher I ever seen. I like praise God. I never want to look like one either. Yeah. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to look like a preacher with suit and tie. I, I, if God wanted me to wear certain clothes, He'd have put them on me when I was born. Right? Yeah. I believe what you want to wear and what you want to do is what. That's what you should do. And I think the world gives us facade to everybody. You got to look a certain way, talk a certain way, you know, and. And, you, and hide who you really are a lot of times. And that's yeah. why, like, when people think of a drug addict, they, they have this horrible idea that, well, once you're a drug addict, loser, lost cause, because the people that get out of it don't talk about it and act like it never happened. Yep. So you don't realize there's people that got through that that are doctors, lawyers, yeah. pastors, yeah. Like, all these things yeah. that but, but most people don't, they won't say, hey, I was an addict, I did this. They just don't talk about it. That's right. And, you know, Aaron, the truth of it is a lot of them, doctors, lawyers, pastors, and everything else are still dealing with addiction but they know how to they know how to live in addiction and cope with addiction. Um, if, if if you can't go to sleep with something, you're addicted to something. Yeah. If you can't wake up in the morning without something, you're addicted to something. Yeah. That's just the truth of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was addicted to porn. I was addicted to all kind of things. You know what I mean? And and it's even in in our minds. Sometimes nobody wants to tell what's in their minds. Because our mind's crazy. Y'all know that. Brandon, I know your mind too, boy. Brandon shot out there too. He believed like me, I know. He shot out there sometime. We we go left field, you know. And and I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. I don't care who's hearing it. Uh, the other day, and I was like, man, I said, sometimes, man, I said, I, I, can, I can be, you know, with my wife or something and then be thinking about a porno. Where'd that come from? And he going, he said, you think you're the only one that's ever dealt with that? Yeah, y'all look perfect. Yeah, right. He said, ain't nobody perfect. They lying to you. Yeah. He said they know how to. Some of the women, they you know, they know how to paint their lipstick on, with a smile. You know, a man knows how to put the weight on his shoulder and never tell nobody it's heavy. They don't yeah. want to tell nobody because then it looks it makes them look a certain way. You know, what I mean, how could you tell your wife? Let's say you was messing with pornography. Let's say you go back and you go tell your wife. You know, I was in there looking at porno before I come here and mess with you. And she going, oh, you gotta have a porno to mess with me. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it ain't nothing about that. It's, it's just what was in the, wired in your mind. And if you never deal with it, it's never going to be healed. So I learned to just deal with it all. Lay it out there. This is what it is. I know I'm a wreck. Hallelujah. I don't know how we're going to fix it, but this is where we're at. And once I did that, it's just like God started putting things in order. You know what I mean? He started putting things in order. And, and I still ain't by no means arrived. I still struggle with a lot of things in my mind. I struggle with a lot of things. And um, I just take it day by day. And I don't believe once an addict, always an addict. And I believe that kind of thinking is what keeps them addicts. Yeah, I, I do too. I think it's like with AA where they say, if you have one drink ever, you're, you'll be right back in your addiction. If you believe that, it'll be true. That's right. If you, Especially speaking and talking those things, it's going to come to pass. Yeah. That's right. And there you are. You know, and here it is. And you're wondering why. It's because the things are teaching you and going on. And I, I remember going to the AA, and I ain't bashing them, but I mean, they didn't get right. I'm just saying like it is, you know. Uh, I know you're trying to do good, but maybe maybe it needs a real addict to teach it. I'm just saying. But talking about all the, every time I go to a meeting or something, all you do is tell me about all the times that I got high and all the things. Guess what I want to do when I leave there? Yeah. Yeah. Then you want to get high when you leave there. You know what I mean? I, I think you got to change your mind. The Bible says change your mind, new mindset. Yeah. So I learned to talk about the new things. Seldom do I talk about the past. And, yeah, uh, you, you go in there and a the guy says, uh, my name's whatever, I'm an alcoholic, <laughs> yeah. sober 30 years. I'm like, I'm sorry, if you haven't had a drink in 30 years, you're not an alcoholic. That's right. I mean, you <laughs> might have had a problem 30 years ago. Yeah. You definitely did, I'm sure, but come on. Yeah, and you know, and even with, uh, you know, like I've had some guys walk up to me and they were like, man, pastor, is there anything wrong with me uh, drinking a beer every once in a while? And I'm like, and 
and you know, and then they'll say, well, the Bible said drink and be merry. And I say, well, the Bible says a drunkard that went out into the kingdom of heaven. They say, well, there's a difference in a drunkard and a person just drank a beer, right? So absolutely. It's the truth. They can say what they want to say, demonize me, however they want to do it. But that is the truth of it. Uh, some people are wired like me. We can't have a drink. If you give me a drink, I'm gonna stop by the liquor store every day, and, and I'm gonna have a I case. Have of, all the drinks. Yeah, I'm gonna have everything, and then and then I'm gonna get me a pill. Then I'm gonna get me a. a I won't just buy a, a dime bag. Yeah. I will buy a quarter pound. You know what I mean? That's what I'll do. Alcohol's the gateway, the actual real gateway drug, man. Alcohol's always the gateway. And it's legal on every corner. Because yeah. we started drinking before we started smoking, then we started drinking and smoking, then we started doing. And that's what it does. Drinking, it unwinds. I hope that you know somebody you know hears this podcast hearing what you're doing, man. I, I I honor you, brother, for what you're doing and 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 giving hope to people out there on dope because that a lot of times they lose hope and once you lose hope, you lose everything. Yeah. You you accept it and and that's where you are. And I can relate. I've been there. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm always this is what I am, and so I might as well be be the best at what I am. Trash, <laughs> and that's what my mentality was. What you mentioned in the book, man, which, which I've always admired you, even back in the day when we weren't doing well, just because you were unapologetically who you are. You were back then, you know, you weren't using your gifts for good. And yeah. you're that now, and now to see you using them for good is, uh, I respect that. But what you say in the book, man, it's uh, not where you start, it's where you finish. That's right. You know? Yeah. And to see you right the ship, man, and obviously you've had some help yeah. with that is... Yeah, I wrote it. I wrote it and they had it like uh, they had to edit me a lot, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> Yeah, let me help you out here, you know what I mean? Hallelujah. Lori Coker, give you a big shout out. She helped me a lot, lady at my church. She's uh she really helped me out a lot. She was like, Pastor, I know exactly what because she knows me. Yeah. She said, I know exactly what you were trying to say. And uh and when she said I said, You know what I said, ain't it? She said, Yeah, close. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. So that's that's where man. It's a war on drugs, man. And uh, truth is, we need a war on the government because that's one feeding it to us, brother. Yeah, it's a war on the people, and yeah. the only way you're gonna get people help is if you help them. Yeah. You, can't, you can't punish, punish, punish on the drug problem. I know they try to say, well, what about the people selling? Well, a lot of people selling are the users who have to pay for their addiction, so they start selling. That's right. It's a it's a losing battle. So you got to figure figure that's that right. shit out. And what's the difference in them uh, selling dope and, and you selling them methadone? Oh yeah, and, and not because they legal drug dealers. Yeah. I'm just saying. They are, and also, I mean, alcohol prohibition didn't work. It yeah. was created a lot of problems. Now we've legalized it to the point where it's almost if you tell people you don't drink, they think something's wrong with you. It's like yep. it's the worst drug that's known to man, and it it's is. legal and it's sold in every corner. But if someone has a heroin addict addiction, you're gonna arrest them. Yes, it's, it's it's hypocritical. It really is. It all the way around. You know what I mean? You can you can do so much of this, but you can't do none of that. You know what I mean? And that's the mentality that they have because man says this is legal, that ain't legal. Um, you know, I, I think everybody should have the freedom of choice, whatever they want to do, point blank. Now, I don't want nobody doing no dope, you know what I mean? But people are going to do what they want to do. That's, that's the fact of it. Um, and of I, and I do see your point, Aaron, a lot of things. I mean, if at least if they're getting something, at least it ain't getting poison in it. Exactly. Also, a lot of people suffer childhood trauma and things that led them to addiction. And if they can get, get the drugs that aren't going to kill them and then get some help, we can get them off drugs yeah. and get them to have a happy, fulfilling life yeah. versus... If they're, like you said, you can't fix somebody if they're dead. And that's that's right. what's happening. We're losing kids. 100,000 people in a year died of a drug overdose. It didn't have to happen. Switzerland had zero yeah. because they had illegal access to these drugs. And it's a sad situation that we've created for ourselves. It truly is. And I've seen uh, that point you just made. As I've seen yesterday, they said the statistics uh, like Americans' uh, lifespan has went down dramatic. 
like their, their lifespan has went down dramatically. Yeah, it has. And you know, and, it, and we can point it at the dope all we want and alcohol, and, it, and that has a major part of it. But man, them sodas and everything else too, they feed yeah. them and everything they putting in the food and everything else. Man, I mean, they're poisonous. I mean, it oh, really yeah. is. We have obesity problems, uh, mm -hmm. diabetes problems, all these things because they don't talk about our health and nutrition and things that that you know that we yep. need in our diets. That it's all about money. These mm -hmm. companies making money, selling. You can bigger the better. Oh yeah, you can be on welfare, and I'm not hating on people on welfare at all. But I'm saying you can be on welfare and go buy the the shittiest foods that aren't nutrition, and and, yep. and those foods are going to keep you down and feeling depressed because they're they're not yep. they're not proper nutrition that your body your that's brain true. needs. That's the truth. And then the the food that is good for you costs three times more than the food that ain't good. And that's for another you. problem. Yeah, organic yeah. foods and yeah. all these. Yes, it's super crazy expensive. It is. Yeah, being health conscious is an expensive hobby to have. It is. My wife is, and I didn't know nothing about that. You know what I mean? I'm like. Coca-Cola, 32 ounces, they're going to give me 44 ounces. You know, Hallelujah, give me that. You know what I mean? I thought the bigger the better, you know? And that's what we taught, right? I mean, and that's the, and it's the same mentality as the world is that you look at the girls. You know, they look on Facebook and they see, you know, or, or YouTube or whatever, or Instagram. They look, she looks like this and that family looks like that. And most of them is fake book. And it really ain't, yeah. it really is as fake as all get out. They take the pictures, they Put them, put these filters on them, and make everything look the way it wants. And then they look like, oh man, everything's peaches and creams and ice cream. Yeah. Man, and then they feel like they don't live up to that. And no, then well, it, there was a story on Instagram with this one, one mom went to the pool with her daughter, set everything up, took pictures of what they were doing at the pool real fast, put everything up, and left. It's like so your, your story, <laughs> that life you live, isn't even real. You're just look what we do. Like, yeah. no, you're not even doing that. Yeah, just to get a picture, get a thumbs up. Yeah, I don't understand it. Getting the highlight. Yeah, that's all it is, man. Getting the highlight. Highlight rim. That's what that's it is. It. That's, that's all it is. That's all you get. I mean, even me, you know, yeah. not, I ain't putting a 3 a.m. bourbon session on uh, yeah. Instagram, yeah. you know? So. I wake it up pissed off and got to go ahead this way, you yeah. know what I mean? It's, yeah. uh, we, we all get there, man. It's uh, because, we, like you say, we don't want to show our vulnerability. And I think I think that's what we as, you know, I believe as all true brothers in Christ, and I believe all men in general need to learn to be vulnerable. To show things, you know what I mean? Because that's the only way to help somebody is to show them, look, man, I was there too. You know, because you, because I got off of dope, don't mean you forget where you come from. Yeah. You know what I mean? You forget yeah. where you come from and then act like they this and that. You know, you know, and it, how, what, how, what, what good are you to society, really? You, you made it? You good with that? You don't care about helping nobody? I think there's a heart problem. If you don't care about helping somebody that, you know what I mean, I think you need to help the one always standing next to you to always try to help somebody. I believe that's, I think that's a must in America um, to start with the drugs, with the kids, like Brandon said earlier, is meet them right where they're at. Is uh, Don't try to change them. Mm -hmm. Just meet them where they're at. Be friends with them. Talk to them. Love them. Yeah. Love them right where they're at. And uh, they'll start talking to you. Yeah. And uh, as they start figuring out, man, why don't you, uh, you don't want one of these? You don't want to do this? Nah, bro, I'm good. I'm not used to do that. I ain't, I ain't mad at you. I just, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't live there no more. Yeah. Probably next question gonna be like, why not? Yeah. How'd you get out? Yeah. I yeah. remember there was a pastor we had growing up that that took all the problem kids at the youth group, which was me and some of my friends, and we all went off to Crowder's Mountain and he, he preached, and he got every one of us to quit smoking cigarettes and how he did it was he let us smoke cigarettes he said you can smoke i just don't want to see it if you can go over there because i because it hurt, hurts me that you're hurting yourself but uh. i could get you in trouble and he got to us and after being with him for like three days we all quit smoking it didn't stick 
<laughs> but but it catches. Had, he, had yeah. he kept being our pastor, so he was like a, a they, they had a bunch of pastors come in and take different groups of kids. Uh, our pastor, I didn't actually enjoy, but if it, he had been a pastor, I probably would have stayed with it a lot longer and got more involved. But he was his acceptance was what we wanted, that, not yeah. that we caught you smoking, we're going to your parents, and your parents are going to ground you and you're in trouble. It was hey, you do what you want to do. I just don't want to see it because it hurts you. So that's good because then you, what it done was what he done truly was make you self conscious. Yeah, you're like man. Then you almost felt like you're letting him down. Yeah. And that's what he wanted you to see. And that's what he wanted you to see is at the father's love. You know what I mean? That's what, uh, yeah. like, man, the Lord sees you. He, you know, even when we by ourselves, he still sees us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's what that pastor was doing. I don't know who it was. I shout out to him. That was good stuff. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah I don't remember what church it was. Somewhere in Belmont. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. really good. We'll probably wrap this thing up and we're going to go take you. Yeah, I got to take Granny to dinner. I got to go cook dinner for my wife. Amen. I appreciate y'all having me. Appreciate yeah, y'all catch up, man. It's a powerful yeah. story, dude. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. No doubt. Yeah. Thank y'all for having me. Thank you for having me. All right. Peace out. Peace out. All right. Peace, Nicks. Thanks for listening. Once again, if you like what we're doing here at the Peace on Drugs podcast, go to thepeaceondrugs.com slash subscribe. Subscribe to our newsletter. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter at the Peace on Drugs. And... If you really like what we're doing, do us a favor and go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Help us get that little boost. Get this mission going. Thank you for supporting it. Coming to you from Gastonia, North Carolina this week. Be heading back to Florida pretty soon. So again, thanks for listening and peace out. 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 out.